Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And then our intro is going to start, and it's going to go pop, 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 all the people talking, and then shh, 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 shh. So I know that we only technically have like six subscribers, and I, I'm so grateful for all of you. But, no, I definitely um, think we have more than six. Well, either way, let's say 10, just to round up. But um, I want to go ahead and, like, give them a nickname. Go for it. I want to call them Kernels, like our little kernels of popcorn. Our little popcorn kernels. Exactly. I love it. You guys are our kernels now. <laughs> Not to be confused with Colonel. Colonel? Like, in the army? Colonel. Yeah, I say it that way because it's spelled that way. <laughs> okay. Colonel Sanders would be everybody. very disappointed in me right now. <laughs> Hey, Colonel. So we're wild. We're wild. We are wired. We're wild and out. <laughs> we are. We are wired up on Death Wish Coffee. Not a sponsor, but I do want to say that is my favorite coffee currently. Like, I know we just bought that bitch at Kroger's, but it's. I love it. It's pretty dope. It is. It has a nice little flavor to it. Although I'm not a coffee drinker because um, your girl cannot do caffeine like that. True. Um. So how was your day? been how's your week been how's all that been are you asking me because it's the polite thing to do or are you asking me because you actually care nope i don't care i just want to ask you for the podcast um so i'm not gonna tell you guys how my actual week has been but it's been just so great so much fun i've been working really hard on this podcast to get everything done and i definitely didn't wait till the last minute again again question what's up is this one gonna be a bitch to put out it's gonna be a bitch to put out nice okay <laughs> continuing tell the fine people what our movie is about um, or well, what our movie is honestly true um so new year's is creeping up on us and we decided we wanted to give y'all a new year's ish themed movie a movie where new year's takes place and it is celebrated um even though it's not like your typical great gatsby you know type of new year's right movie. yeah i don't want to do i don't want to get too um soft with it too 
I guess. Too stereotypical. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Because we all know what y'all are going to be watching on New Year's Eve. You know, you're going to be watching party movies and, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I didn't want to get too too on the nail with it. So I decided to go a little, you know. A little sideways. A little shake it up with it. Yeah. A little shake it up. I meant oh. to say I wanted to shake it's it okay, up It's okay, baby. Bit. That coffee, Death Wish, your coffee is working. He has the, the shakes right now. The jitters. For real. Um... So this is my favorite Captain America movie. And by Captain America movie, I mean Chris Evans movie. I just can't see him as any other character but Cap. I mean, yeah, he is pretty iconic. It's kind of like once those character, once those actors or actresses get roles as certain characters, that is just their character. That's why I feel bad for like everybody in the cast of Harry Potter. Yeah, I mean, I think Rupert Grint stopped acting, but you know, Daniel Radcliffe is forever Harry Potter. Or the guy from or harry from guns akimbo that's what i called him throughout the whole movie yeah that's true but like you're right though specific actors are just forever tied to certain roles hugh jackman okay hugh jackman is not tied to any role wolverine greatest showman wolverine i guess but when i when i saw hugh jackman and he was wolverine in the greatest showman anyways (laughs) anyways just certain characters like robert downey jr was tony stark macaulay yeah. what what's um macaulay culkin yeah home alone forever i don't even i don't even know his name in there i just call him home alone kid mila kunis is forever jackie mila kunis is forever jackie yeah like it's just certain characters have their forever roles unfortunately steve urkel is gonna always be steve urkel yeah i mean yeah so and that's why i called him cap you know not to typecast but um if you're good at what you what you're good at then Actually, that's something that I think Daniel Radcliffe was talking about a while back. Was that like he hated the fact that everywhere he went, it was no, no, no. It was not him. It was a kid from Karate Kid, Daniel Russo. I don't know his his real actor name, obviously, but the kid, the guy from Karate Kid, hated the fact that he was in Karate Kid because everywhere he went, it was like, oh, can you catch a fly? Oh, can you do wax on that's wax sad. off? That was like everywhere. He couldn't go to like. Uh, Chinese buffets. He can do like anything without people like going in on him. But on the flip side of things, there are actors and actresses that are just never tied down to any sort of role because they are just so different. True. And a lot of them are actually in this movie. Who's your favorite actress? In this movie? That just can take on any single role that you may not even recognize her. Um, Scarlett Johansson. Get the fuck out of here. Tilda Swinton. Swinton. You're right. <laughs> I know. That's what I expected you to say because we just had a whole conversation about this. True. True, true. Um, and she's actually in this movie. Um, I think this movie had a wonderful uh, S+. Plus. Like, I'm not even going to give it an A rank class. It is like an S+. Plus. What's an S? You don't watch enough anime to understand. No, I don't think anybody that listens to us does. They'll, they'll get it. Anyway... Anyways, so, it's a star-studded cast. Right. And it has Captain America, a.k.a. Chris Evans, um, Tilda Swinton, who was the Ancient One in Doctor Strange, also but she's the, also been, like, a lot of things and a lot of things. Ice Queen in Narnia? Yes. She was there. She played a guy mm-hmm. in Okoja, I think. I, I, I have no idea in all or, honesty. Or John, I don't know the name of it. I don't want to butcher it anymore. Anyways, but, um, she's a wide range of people true uh your favorite one of your well, one of your like top 
10 favorite actresses. Octavia Spencer. Yes. She is wonderful. And if you don't know where Octavia Spencer's from, she is from Ma. She is from The Help. The Help. Hidden Figures. Hidden Figures. Um, and a lot of other movies. You really just blanked there, huh? I did. I really did. All I had is Ma. <laughs> I know her from the horror movie that I love, um, Jordan Peele, you know. That's about it. Was Ma by Jordan Peele? I think no. so. No, it wasn't. Oh, it was Blumhouse, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Blumhouse. Oh, oh well. Yes, sicko. It's okay. It's better than your Tim Burton core line. No, it's not. Everybody knows that Jordan Peele only has like three movies. Oh, yes. Get Out, Us, and Candyman that's coming out. That's his third featured film. You're right. You're right. I forgot about that. That's my bad. It's just, it was one of those horror movies that weren't cookie cutter, I guess. Okay, so continuing. Um, And then lastly, it has, I, I know I'm going to fuck this name up again, but Song Kang Ho, or Ho, or I don't know how to say it. Um, And he's the dad from Parasite. Yeah. You said yeah like you knew. You didn't fucking know. I read this fact before you wrote it. Oh, did you really? Yes, I did. Okay. I IMDb that shit. Um, I actually also want to cover Parasite soon. Parasite's so. a good movie. Yeah, so that, that's why you Be mentioned ready. it. That's why you mentioned it, huh? It is definitely why I mentioned it. Nice. Okay, so let's get into the movie itself. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and give the short plot just in case after my short plot you want to go watch it. Um, there are spoiler warnings after my short plot because Connie's going to give the entire plot. That being said, uh, here's the short plot. So basically, planes take off into the upper layers of the atmosphere to solve our global warming issues and actually ended up globally fucking us in the process by doing the opposite of global warming. And what is that, Connie? That is global freezing. Or an ice age. The only survivors on Earth are the people aboard our fucked up Polar Express name the snowpiercer so the snowpiercer is a train that was designed to travel the entire world in a year on this train the passengers are separated into sections with high class being in the front and working its way to the back as the class lowers the lower class gets fed up with the fact that they've been treated like trash this whole time and decided to rise up against the creator and make it fair for all the classes on the train would you say that that's a short plot yeah i think that's pretty Okay, and so our leader is going to be Chris Evans, and uh, his name is, what was it again? Curtis. Curtis, yes. Uh, And his best friend, Edgar. Sorry, couldn't think of his name. Edgar was more of like his second. It was like his sidekick. His little brother. It was like his Bucky. So from here, I'm going to let Connie go ahead and give you the plot plot, um, or a deeper version of the plot, I guess. So... I want to go ahead again and state that the spoiler warnings are coming. Okay, so if you do want to go watch this movie before these spoilers happen, you can find it on Netflix. And it is the movie, not the TV series that is coming out on TNT. Just on Netflix, but it's there. So let me go ahead and get my Google Slides ready, and I will tell you the plot. So this movie originally takes place in 2014. And like Rico said, when the government tries to counteract global warming, but unintentionally causes an ice age, which basically kills everything on the planet, except for these humans and what life, you know, animals and stuff like that, that took shelter on this giant kind of cruise luxury train called the Snowpiercer. So the Snowpiercer is a massive train that never stops moving. It's designed to be self-sufficient, travels along the world. 
The creator and operator of this train is named Wilford, and he controls basically everything. He is the god on this train. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Yes. Why couldn't I get a snow piercer to go around our Christmas tree? You know, I was actually looking at trains to go around our Christmas tree. Really? I swear to you, I was looking up trains to go around our Christmas tree. I saw a lot of trains. Just because I saw a TikTok video, it was so cute. I know you like love trains. It's part of why I was looking up. I saw a TikTok video where like this dad's like, "All right, I'm gonna take you on a tour of the house. We're a tour of the living room," and he puts his phone on a train, and like it just it does a little loop around like two laps, and it's just take a whole year. Nope, it took literally less than 60 seconds because that's how long TikTok videos are. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, this train is pretty much self-sufficient. It is basically its own ecosystem. You know, they have, it's like a Noah's Ark type thing, but okay. a train version. So they have like that little aquarium where they have a whole bunch of different species of fish. They have insects. They have plants. They basically just saved whatever they could possibly save because, you know, Ice Age, Right. So, the train has different classes, like you said, the elite first class passengers and the economy passengers, and then they also have the freeloaders. So, some sources will tell you there's just two classes, but by my understanding, and I went back and double checked this in the movie, there are three different classes. You have the elite upper class, you have the kind of economy, not everyday class, I would say it's upper middle class type of people, and then you do have like the freeloaders who apparently snuck onto the train. You know, they just kind of hid in the storage areas. So, I'm assuming the freeloaders snuck onto it because where you see them living, it's basically storage. It's the tail end of the train. It's not that great. And they also didn't have a plan to feed these people on the train. They had plans to feed everybody else, but the freeloaders on the tail end, you know, kind of had to make do for, yeah, for a short period of time until they came up with a solution. Right. So, other than that, I think they snuck on because why else would they willingly let people who couldn't afford tickets onto this train, you know? Because when you watch the movie, you obviously see these people are not, like, even regular lower middle class people, I would say. Right. Like, they are just kind of people who grasped onto straws to stay alive. And really quick, so, like, while watching this movie, I mean, you have to, like, get to the end, but... Well, you have to get to the end in order to realize this, but I'm going to go ahead and let you know. You do have to take this movie as a movie that was super well calculated. Yeah, it, it was really a well thought out movie in where... I mean, not not that the movie was well thought out, but so much as like the, the numbers train. and the train and like, they, how, like how many people got on, how many people died, how all many sorts of things. It takes in order to keep this like the system for being overloaded because you have to think they have a limited number of resources for food and everything like that right so they have to like force a natural selection yes they have to like okay well look we can only feed we can only feed 20 people and you can only eat this much like they just well orchestrated every single thing about this train it wasn't just a shoddy oh hurry up the world is becoming cold it's an ice age like they also built all these tracks around the world they had time to build this train right Right. so it was a very very well engineered thing Mm -hmm. so um our main character curtis our captain america he lives in the tail end of the train with his right hand edgar like you said and he also has a mentor slash father figure stereotypical old man in a movie his name 
is Gilliam. Right. All right. So Curtis. Our boy is, Gilliam. Yes, Gilliam. Not Gilligan, but Gilliam. Who is um, really the hero of the story? But I mean, is we can he? talk about it later. He is the chaotic. Good. Good. Yeah. 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 And then Wilford is the chaotic neutral. In all honesty. Right. So we will get into that later. But Curtis is tired of being treated like trash because he lives at the tail end of the train. And so he decides he needs to lead a revolt and basically go all the way up to the engine. And then he has this grand idea. Let Gilliam run this train. Yes, I know he has an umbrella handle for a hand and a peg leg. <laughs> but he can operate this train. Pirate Wilford. For real. He, but he does have both eyes, but he only has one arm and one leg. So, you know. Sure, he knows a thing or two. But the character that plays Wilford is actually the same character who plays Ollivander in Harry Potter. See, I knew the pieces of wood picked Wilford. Well, picked. The pieces of wood. Picked Gilliam. Picked Gilliam, yes. Yes. You said the same person who who plays Wilford. That's why you messed me up. Okay. Maybe, I don't know. I'm going to listen to this and feel stupid as fuck later on. (laughs) No, you won't. I think I did say that. Okay, so basically he wanted Gilliam to run it, and I guess you never really hear his full plan for this. You just kind of hear, let's get to the front of the train. Gilliam's going to run it. All right, so um, basically they don't have a plan for this. It's just kind of like, yeah, Gilliam's going to run the train. And I'm assuming what they think is going to happen is the tail end passengers are going to start living like the elite, blah, blah, blah. I don't really know. So... Also, at the beginning of this movie, this is going to be, it's going to seem like a detail that you don't need to know right now, but you do need to know that they do take two small children from the tail section of the train, and by the parents' reactions, like judging from their reactions, this has happened before, and we can tell that these children will probably never be seen again, because they are literally just terrified of these children, and I, I get it, like, even if they hadn't been taken before, but they are terrified of their children being taken, and so... This was kind of the last draw. Like, they keep taking our kids, blah, blah, blah. Let's go. So, someone has also been slipping Curtis these notes about how to take over the train. And they slip them into, like, his food. Into the protein bars that they get. So, it's little notes about how to take over the train. And Curtis just completely trusts these notes. No idea where where they're coming from. Written on red paper, no less. I'm sorry. Anything written on red paper, do not trust. It must be ominous. Red is a bad sign. So, um, Curtis just trusts these notes, and then they release a prisoner who also happens to be a security expert and open, in order to open all the gates on the train. So, you know, they do a whole, they realize the bullets and the guns aren't real because bullets went extinct, and they take over the train and they get to the little prison area, which is also in the tail end, kind of. Mm-hmm. And they, one of the notes says, hey, release this security officer. He can open the gates. So they release him. And he also insists, he's like, hey, um, you also have to release my daughter. I'm not going anywhere without my daughter. So also his daughter is clairvoyant, apparently. Um, We don't know if this is an actual thing because the filmmakers said, oh, no, it's just people who are born on the train have supernatural hearing abilities. But it doesn't make any sense. So we're going to say clairvoyant, okay? Mm -hmm. So they make their way through the train cars with Nam who's also the security expert. Sorry, I never actually mentioned his name. So um, he's unlocking the gates, and one of the cars they enter into is where they make food for the tail end passengers. So like I said, Curtis gets these note and these protein bars. These protein bars are actually very disgusting. You're thinking a gelatinous 
rectangular bar. Looks like a chocolate bar, but it's jello. And so, um, do you want to know what the food is made out of? What's it made out of? Ground up cockroaches. It's really, it's really great. Great color to it. <laughs> so, when Curtis finds this out, he almost pukes. But once you hear the ending of this movie, you're going to be like, look, Curtis, man, I, I would have ate the cockroaches too. Once you hear his choices, you would have ate the cockroaches too. So, Curtis finds another note on the floor this time because... The guy who makes the food used to be a tail-end passenger, but he went crazy. Anyways, that doesn't matter, but the note is on the floor, okay? And he finds another note, and it says water, meaning for him to take the water supply car next. My question... I'll save it for later. No, tell me your question. My question was, how is he reading these notes and knowing what to do? I mean, I think like, he's just, like, assuming at this point, in all honesty. Like, ah, yes, uh, water. He must mean take the water car. And also... Because he's only getting one word in these messages. How would you know to take the water and use it as leverage? So who is the one giving him these instructions, basically? Like, oh, it only says water? Hmm, that can only mean one thing. We have to take the water supply car. Gilliam. Gilliam, yes. Gilliam, our wise old man Gilliam, is the one saying, oh, yeah, we should totally do that. That's a good idea, Curtis. That, that was your sense. idea. Yeah. Yeah, so it was Gillian this entire time, like, giving him directions on, oh, this must be what it means. So, continuing, um, wise old Gillian backs the idea of taking the water, water supply car up because they think if we take the water supply car, we can cut off water from all the rich people. And that way we can negotiate with Wilford. But you know what they don't realize? What? It is theorized that the water flows backwards from the front of the train all the way to the tail end section. And so since I haven't gotten very far up from the tail section, they would just be cutting off supply from the tail section. So putting their own people into, you know, suffering because they don't have any water. Mm -hmm. So there's no point in actually cutting off the water for the entire train because they don't know exactly how it works. Right. They're, they're told like, oh yeah, this is how it works, but they don't know for sure. So rather than take that risk and cut off their own people, they just don't do it. They are also met with a masked army, the water supply car. So, you know, they're opening the gates and this is where you kind of see Nam's daughter become clairvoyant because she's like, yeah, you can open the gate, you can open the gate because she can hear people on the other side. But when she gets to this gate, Nam is opening it and then she says, don't open the or lock the gate. But it's too late because the gate opens and there's an army of men in these weird trench coats. One has like a tactical vest on, but only one has a tactical vest on. They all really? have. Yeah, yeah. It only one There's a leader though, right? No, it's like person off to the side. Oh, wow. That's fucking weird. Yeah, I know. I was just kind of like, okay. I didn't even catch that the first time watching it. Yeah, they they all have like these black trench coats on. Like kind of like they were weathermen out in a tropical storm or something. <laughs> but um, But basically, and they're all masked too. Like, I'm not sure why they're masked, but they're all wearing, like, hoods. So, they're met with this masked army. I also want to know, who is, like, do y'all volunteer to be part of this army? I know y'all can't get used very often, because how many revolutions can there be? And are there women in this army? No, I don't think so. So then how do they recruit more people? I guess it's like, oh, I was, my father was an army man, and... Well, they can't anymore, but my father was an army man, and, you know, my son has to be an army man. 
Right, but if there's no women in the tribe or in the clan or whatever. Is it a clan? Yeah, they're called the something with a K clan. I was reading it on the subtitles. Oh, weird. Well, I mean, maybe they're allowed to, like, have wives or girlfriends. It's just like, it's like the Freemasons. Okay. So, like, I don't know. The Freemason cart. (laughs) The Freemason cart where they have hatchets and spears and axes. Is an axe and a hatchet the same thing? No. Okay, good. Um, So, basically, they're met with this masked army, hatchets, spears, etc., but no guns, right? Because they all think bullets are extinct. So, before they fight, they do pass by a certain bridge, and then they have to celebrate the new year because they're on said bridge, and it signifies that they've made a full cycle around the world. And that is how we related it to New Year's. Yes, because it, it takes place, a New Year's takes place during it, I guess. I mean, it, it all happens throughout New Year's. Oh, yeah. It's, it, well, yeah, it's New Year's Eve whenever they start, and then it's New Year's Day once they get to that fight. It literally all took place on one day yeah. or two days. Technically three. Because it goes from New Year's Eve to New Year's on the fight, and then they sleep after the fight. Oh, yes. And then they move on. Okay, yes. yeah. But, yeah, so they celebrate the New Year because they're passing by a certain bridge, and that means it's, it has been one full revolution around the world. So um, at one point they go through a tunnel, and the train car is pitch black. And you would think that the army with the night vision goggles would just annihilate the ragtag group of men with makeshift weapons, but no. Somehow most of them survive. Somehow. Somehow. Do you want to talk about your favorite character right now? I'll talk about him later. Okay, sounds good. He is the reason that some of them survive. So, one person who does die, though, is Edgar. Is my boy Edgar. Edgar dies um, because Curtis sacrifices him in order to capture the minister, which is um, basically the person who runs the train aside from Wolford like himself so the minister is the one who kind of keeps everything in order controls everything speaks to everyone that's head honcho a step down from wilford so curtis is like edgar i love you but the minister as a hostage cannot pass that up so uh minister mason which is tilda swinton's character agrees to take them to wilford basically escorting them through the train so no one will mess with them she's like yeah i'll grant you safe passage and curtis is like well why would you do that she says because i want to live which same moving on so while they travel throughout all these cars they pass by the aquarium that we talked about um it's actually like a walkthrough aquarium too so it's pretty fancy mm-hmm. talk about it later <laughs> Um, but they're also able to eat sushi while they're there. There's a whole sushi chef. Sushi chef. Sushi chef. Sushi chef there. Um, but Curtis, while the minister's like, yeah, sushi for everybody. It's New Year's. We only eat it twice a year. So um, congrats, you guys. You get to eat sushi. Curtis is like, <laughs> yes, we get, get to, to eat, eat sushi. sushi. But you, you minister, you get to eat this cockroach protein bar. Yeah, bitch. Enjoy. So, um... They also travel through what seems to be, like, a meat freezer car. We see lots of animal carcasses hanging. So, it kind of brings it back to, they have food. It's just, I don't think their kind of ecosystem supports feeding the tail end section good food. So, they feed them cockroach protein bars to keep them alive because they need them. So... While they're traveling through the cars, um, Nam and his daughter recognize a landmark that's outside one of the windows. And 
what's noticeable about this landmark is it's a plane and they say that you know years ago all you could see was like the tail end of the plane but slowly as he sees it every single year more and more of the plane is being revealed so which you- brings me to a question how long has Nam been in prison for if he can see it every year and while he's in prison he's like under some kind of like hibernation See, that's the thing. It really never tells us how long he was in prison for. It was just like, he's in prison. So I'm assuming he hasn't been in there long enough for the systems to update and lock him out. Right. He or still long enough to... for him to notice the change, I guess. But either way, he knows that when he first like started looking at it, you couldn't see hardly any of it. And now, basically, the whole plane is revealed. Right. So the ice is melting, slowly but surely. The ice is melting and we're coming out of this ice age. Mm-hmm. So um, finally we end up in a classroom and there's children in there, like children of all ages, but not the ones that were taken. They're being taught about how Wilford is great and amazing, the sacred engine, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and how without him, basically we would all be dead in popsicles. So basically they are just brainwashing all of these children to think without Wilford we are nothing that we need Wilford to survive you know and no matter what always remember the engine is sacred the engine must always stay running because you also have to think they've been on this train I don't think I mentioned it they've been on this train for 17 years so 2014 is when this ice age happened and this movie takes place in 2031 so they've been on this train for 17 years so that's what I meant when I said train babies earlier is that kids were born on who were born on this train and they are you know 17 years old or younger if people didn't understand train babies then uh that's them issue yeah sorry um but yeah so these children that are in these classrooms were all born on the train most likely to wealthy elite passengers or maybe even economy passengers but they're not the tra- the tail end babies okay so while in the classroom um to celebrate the new year this wheelbarrow full of eggs comes passing through and it's hard-boiled eggs and it's kind of like oh yeah this is kind of our treat that we get every year to celebrate the new year and so curtis receives another message poked into the egg real cute this time which is so weird so odd like <laughs> so the guy just... with the wheelbarrow had to have it like tucked into his hand yeah he handed it to curtis because he hands one to each of them mm-hmm so, um, basically, he has a message this time, and all it says is blood. And I'm going to tell you, Gilliam stayed behind in the water train, water supply car. So, he can't decipher this message, okay? Curtis has to think on his own, hmm, what does blood mean? And you know what? We find out soon after because the teacher launches a full-on attack. Bullets are not extinct, boys and girls. They are alive and well. <laughs> They are ready to go. And basically, they kill another person on Curtis's team. So his team is quickly dwindling. And um, a prisoner that they took from the water supply car uh, that was basically being held there with Gilliam and a couple of others, he broke free to go to the back to rally more guards. Mm-hmm. To be like, hey, um, kind of need y'all's help. There is a sort of little thing going around up at the top. So he goes back. He also kind of i guess not hacks into but they show on the tv screen in the school like the security footage from the water supply car where, where gilliam's at 
And yeah, this dude, I'm um, just execution style. Knocks him out. Kills him. Sorry. I thought maybe. <laughs> you don't want to use the K word? Well, it's just because I was like, I'm just going to say knock him out. Like, cool. You know, knock him out is also a K word. And so then I thought, I was like, maybe they think that I'm just going to. the big gonna... K word. The capital K word. Yeah. Um, I thought that you might think that he just got punched. Mm-hmm. No, no. He got shot. He's dead. I think you meant take him out. Because take him out means kill. Or knock him out. Term. Put him to sleep permanently. You know. Gilliam's old. <laughs> He's in a permanent hibernation now. <laughs> Put that little umbrella handle to rest. You know. Oh, jeez. That was rude. <laughs> it's okay. It's Gilliam. I'm cool with it being rude. Continuing. Um, Curtis basically sees red after this. And he is just fuming. So... He kills his one hostage. He kills the minister. Which lands him with no hostage. Yeah. And no way to guarantee his security in. Yeah, because the minister. The... the minister basically took them through like all these carts for their growing fruits, growing vegetables, the aquarium, where there are so many people. All the times that he could have died. Yeah, there are so many people that could have stopped, stepped up and been like, hey, like, don't do that you're taking like you're forcing like i don't know all these people could have stepped up and stopped them but instead she was like no it's fine they're my friends we're okay here (laughs) they're fine it's just i'm giving the tail and passengers a tour it's cool so anyways um he kills the minister and then curtis and his team move forward passing through compartments that show a man knitting a dentist working a tailor upscale restaurant looking place pool no one stops them at all but eventually, the road prisoner and his little team catch up to them in a sauna car where everyone but Curtis, Nam, and Nam's daughter seem to die. Jeez. Seem to die. So the only three people walking out of that car currently are Curtis, Nam, and Nam's daughter. Okay. All right. So they continue on moving through a rave car, apparently, where there's tons of people using a drug known as Cronal. Cronal? Cronal. Cronal. Um, which is a highly addictive drug. It's a, drug. It's a hallucinogenic but it's also a potent explosive. So Nam and his daughter collect the coronal from the passengers that are high as hell and just passed out. They also steal their fur coats because they're going to need them later. So once they try to get the gate that opens up to Wilford, Nam says he would much rather open this other gate off to the side um, in order to try and survive outside of the train because he believes the ice is thawing out. Sorry, that coffee got me a little jittery. (laughs) So he believes the train's thawing out and he's like, you know what? Let's open this gate instead. Right. Let's not kill Wilford. Which I thought was kind of a better idea. Honestly, it wasn't that bad of an idea. So, Curtis confesses to Nam. Like, he's like, look, Nam, sit down. I have a story to tell you. There's a reason I'm trying to do this. Curtis launches into this confession that he hates Wilford so much, he, like, needs some questions answered. Because when the tail end passengers boarded the train... When they first boarded, they snuck onto the train and there wasn't food to feed them. Mm-hmm. They had to resort to cannibalism to stay alive. And so he personally feels so disgusted because he, and I quote, knows the babies taste the best. That's yes. why I'm saying that he cannot judge about those cockroach protein bars. Oh, yeah. Like, I, you ate a baby, sir. You can't be disgusted. Nope. So he reveals that he actually, um, he told the story in like third person, but he reveals that he actually killed Edgar's mom as a baby, but Gilliam like stepped in and was like, 
he cut off his own arm. He was like, here, eat my arm and Don't spare the baby. The baby. Yep. Yeah. So, but my question is, if he killed Edgar's mom, why wouldn't he just eat Edgar's mom? Like, I know babies taste the best, but if you're eating to stay alive, why wouldn't you just eat the woman you already killed? I don't know. I didn't question that scene. I know, because your heart was broken, because you love Edgar. So, the other passengers, like, stepped up to do the same, and they realized, they're like, hey, maybe we shouldn't be just killing these children to eat them because they taste good. Like, here, take my leg instead. What if somebody had, like, I don't know, gangrene? Ugh. in their leg and they're like yeah here i was gonna cut it off anyways you can have it <laughs> gross <laughs> i was gonna fall off anyway bro you can, you can just go ahead and take a nibble out of that just one good chop and it's done <laughs> you can karate chop it it's gonna come off it's okay I'm like what if somebody's diabetic and like they just take down their feet and eat their feet and they don't feel it i don't know so continuing curtis tried to cut off his own arm but he couldn't he has a scar from where he attempted to, but he just could not bring himself to do it. So um, I think he also does not like Wilford because of that, because everybody else sacrificed their own shit. And Curtis was like, but it hurts. <laughs> it was painful. But, I didn't want to do it anymore. But the babies, the babies are my arm. <laughs> what? He's like, the babies taste better. I could eat a baby. Or I could cut off my arm, but I could eat a baby. They do taste the best. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Um, so shortly after this, the protein bars were created. Right. So, and then they started eating those and haven't looked back since. So Curtis wants to ask Wilford why he created this train. Basically the why am I here question that plagues us all. So as if it was magic, Wilford hears this and his door opens. And his assistant shoots and wounds, wounds, nom. Because, you know, you can't just like leave him out there, right? God, she was the worst. You can't just leave him out there because literally he was going to explode the door with all the chronal that mm-hmm. him and his daughter collected. Yep. They literally stuck it on the door and was like, okay, let's explode it. So um, she invites Curtis inside. And Curtis finally meets an old man, Wilford, and finds out that the revolution was nothing more than a scheme by Wilford and Gilliam created to control the population and balance the ecosystem of the train. So they had been working together this entire time. Which I thought was the stupidest plot twist, but carry on. It really was, because it turned out they had secret phones in the walls and everything. And he was like, oh yeah, me and Gilliam, we had so many late night talks for hours. But you know, it was hard holding up a phone for him because of his one umbrella handle arm, you know. So cute of a couple. They're like besties. So Wilford leaves Curtis alone for a moment. He's like, look, like I know you've been surrounded by people for 17 years, so I'm going to just let you stand here by yourself for a moment. It's not really by yourself, but I'm going to step back and you can have this moment by yourself. Mm-hmm. And that must be so relaxing. After being in quarantine for so long with like no alone time except for when I sit in my car, that must be so peaceful. <laughs> so peaceful. Okay. So Curtis takes that time and he just, he relishes it. And so he then offers Curtis his job running the train. He's like, yeah, we've been prepping you for this for years now. And so Curtis is so close to accepting, but Nam's daughter runs in and, like, claws open what seems to be a regular tile on the floor. But it actually lifts up to reveal one of the missing children from the tail end section, working as a replacement part for basically an an extinct piece of machinery. So he's in there cleaning the engine, doing what he has to do, basically just a slave, essentially. Right. 
So, anyways, they reveal that, and then Curtis is like, Timmy, I have to save you. Like, and he tries to bring him up and get him out of the thing. But if he does that, guess what happens? What's that? The train stops. Mm-hmm. The engine stops moving. It literally just... I don't know why I question it when I watched this you, movie with yeah, you. Yeah, you watched it. It's okay. It's okay. That coffee is worn off. <laughs> so, um, basically, he reveals that. And then he also has the second missing child tucked up in a wall, you know, as a backup to, you know, just in case the engine needs to manually run or whatever. We never actually see what the second child does. He just gets into a piece of machine and disappears. Yep. So... Um, it's revealed that this is why they allow the t- the tail section to remain on board. Why they basically allowed all these people to sneak aboard and live out their life. Cause they, so they can pump out babies? They needed a breeding ground. Mm-hmm. So they can, because they go in and they measure these kids and pick out the ones with the perfect sizing to fit down in those small comp- compact areas to, you know, be these replacement parts. Right. So this is why they keep them. This is why they feed them. They need them to produce children to work as slaves in the engine. So, Curtis is absolutely appalled by this, and he immediately knocks Wilford out. Doesn't kill him, but, like, actually punches, knocks him this out. This time he knocks him out. Yeah, and rescues um, the child that he sees. And so, he actually sacrifices his arm while doing so, so it's kind of like a full circle there. Hey, I actually did it this time. Hey, like, I guess that wasn't so bad, because it's not bleeding out. You know, it's fine. So, um, he rescues one of the children... And then, you know, sacrifices his arm. But after this, Curtis gives Nam's daughter the lighter that's needed to light the coronal. It's actually a match out of an extinct matchbook. But they needed to um, to light the coronal in order to expl- explode the gate. Because mm-hmm. Curtis is now like, well, I guess I don't want to run the train if it costs two children a year to do so. Mm-hmm. So he's like, let's actually try to go live outside. So he gives him the ma- gives her the match um, to light the coronal. And Nam tries, like, Nam lights it, and then he tries to close the engine door to shield himself, Curtis, the kid, and his daughter all from the blast. Right. But somehow, all of a sudden, now, this gate wants to glitch out, and it does not want to close. And Nam's like, well, fuck, I guess we're all getting blasted then. Sorry, guys. (laughs) So, um, Curtis... Oh, yeah, because the door didn't get blown off. The hinge. It, like, just actually blew up the entire thing yeah it like it didn't what happens when you use too much yeah like you should just use enough to like crack the ice on the outside so you can give it a good hearty push but no he like actually just blew up the entire fucking train which then would have okay i'll go into it later but okay um so basically he's unable to close that door so what he ends up doing is him and curtis hug his daughter and the child that they saved. They just like, okay, guys, bear hug. How can you bear hug with one arm? Oh, I fucking forgot about yeah, that. I know. I was thinking about this this whole time. He's probably like, Nam, you get the blast side because I only got one arm. So I will, you hold on to my nub, okay? Oh. <laughs> Hang on to my strong I, arm. I know it's slippery. No, because they have to like hold on to each other to like. It was yeah. from oh. from Scary Movie. Yeah, no. Nah. But, uh, yeah, so, well, that just blew that out of the water and off the train. But they shield them from the coronal blast. Somehow. <laughs> somehow they shield him, shield them, although, you know, nobody else survives except for them. They somehow shield them. But the noise from the explosion causes an avalanche. Because, remember, they're in the, like, Swiss Alps right now. So it causes an avalanche, derails the train, 
it sends sections plummeting down mountains, scraping along tunnels sideways, and it goes, it just is one carnival ride that I would refuse to go on. It's like those rickety ones that are put together, like, within eight hours, mm-hmm. and you're kind of like, um, I'm good. Yep. So somehow Nam's daughter and the child that Curtis saved seem to have survived, and they basically walk out of this train, like, no broken bones or anything. They walk out of this train, and they see a polar bear, which signifies life does exist outside of this, outside of this train. So that's where it ends. We don't see what happens afterwards. And then if you do want to watch the sequel, um, you can watch Ice Age. It's a really <laughs> great movie. You fucking kill me, I swear. But yeah, I mean, that's it. And the TV show, it does not follow the same line that the movie does. So you can't watch both of them expecting the same storyline or like a prequel version to the movie. It's literally two separate storylines, but both both based on um, a graphic novel, novel right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a graphic novel that came out years and years and years ago. It's just they take the graphic novel and turn it into kind of the same backstory, but none of the actual meat of it is the same. Right. Okay, so it was so hard trying to stay awake and not give my honest opinions towards these things. I gave a lot of it. I gave a lot of it away, but there was a lot that I wanted to speak on. So holding that in while you were talking just put me almost asleep. Dang, I didn't know I'm so boring. No, I was just dying on the inside because I really wanted to talk. You're like, oh, but this part. Oh, but this part. Exactly. So ah, but this part. whenever I do the next movie plot, mm-hmm. you will see how bad it gets. I believe it. Okay. So what are your thoughts on this movie? I, I really liked the movie itself. I thought some points were kind of weird and didn't make sense the ending was shit but the movie itself and the meat of it and the plot and even the the way it was shot was really well done i think had they slapped on the name stephen king or m night Shyamalan, it would have been so much bigger of a movie because you got to think the beginning and the middle and like just how deep the movie was it was good, but then you get to the end and you're like, wow, that was cheesy as fuck. That was, was stupid as fuck. What are you doing? And all in all, I feel like a lot of them, it just got really loose towards the end. Yeah, it seemed like they needed to tie up too many just random ends to the plot. And it's like, instead of saying, oh, this is what Curtis will do as he runs the train to work towards a better future or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or instead of, let's stop the train. So everybody can get off. I think they were trying to make it to where they didn't have to have a sequel to make it good. But they just... They left it just too... Too sloppy of an ending. Yeah, because it didn't make sense. Because you're telling me that he literally doomed all of humanity. Because what? Unless Nam's daughter and... Because his feelings were hurt. He decided, hey, fuck it. Let's just... Yeah, and let's just blow up the fucking train, I guess. And I mean, that wasn't really his intentions either. I don't know. It's just there are so many different things he could have done. Like. Because what if Nam didn't bring the chronal? Exactly. Or, you know, at that point, he has extinguished the entire army, right? Yeah. Why couldn't he have just walked to the back of the train and been like, 
hey, you guys, let's go back up to the front. Well, granted, they did kill a lot of the back. They killed actually like seventy. Okay, but had he, had they moved up everybody else? Yeah. And just stopped. Then what? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Is like, why why wouldn't you have just like, I don't know how this train works, but why wouldn't you have just stopped it? Why wouldn't you have just like, told people that were remaining, this is what's happening. Like, do you want to stay aboard this? Also, can you really stop the train? I don't know. That's my thing. Like, I don't know. Like, there was no levers stop. or anything that we saw. But that then could again, stop it. you have to assume there's like an emergency button or something, right? I don't know. I don't know either. That's a weird thing. Were they just going to go on this thing forever? And then, like, if life outside of the train started, they were supposed to stop the train? Like, it just doesn't make any sense, right? It doesn't. And that's the only thing that I didn't like. Like, this should have been a second. Yeah. Like, it, they should have Star Wars that shit and gave us a epilogue. Or not an epilogue, a prequel to this. Yeah, like them building the train or something. Right. Yeah, it's just... like. And I guess that's where the TV show comes in. No, To some extent. I mean, the TV show just creates its own, like... Little world? Yeah, it has nothing to do with the movie. The, base, the okay. only thing the same is literally the backstory about how it happened and the train itself. Okay. Wilford is actually, like, a woman... So, would you consider this a good watch? I would. I mean, I think... I think you actually answered that, but... Yeah, I mean, the the plot itself was really good. The movie was entertaining to watch. I'm not really that enthralled by action movies, but I think it was an entertaining movie to watch. This is your second action movie that you've been like, yeah, no, it's not that bad. What was the first one? Limitless. Uh, Limitless, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's I can't help it that I just find good movies to watch, you know? That I find good movies to watch. I find good, mo- good movies to watch. <laughs> I definitely but picked these movies out. <laughs> you definitely did. But, I mean, I, I think it was cool. I didn't like the ending, but it was, like, probably a 7 out of 10 for me. Right. I mean, uh, what would I rate this movie? I think I'd give it, like, a 6.5. 6.5? Yeah. Are you taking off of the ending? That's it. That's really about it. I mean... I can't really give it anything lower because I love Tilda, I love Chris Evans, love Octavia Spencer, John Hurt. Everybody that was in there made it just amazing enough of an experience for it not to be a shit film. Yeah. Like, the cast saved it a lot. Like, great acting saved it. Yeah, it was definitely, like, one of those... And, you know, my guilty pleasure movie is kind of, like, apocalyptic movies. Mm -hmm. So this was kind of, like, in that little niche that I like. But it just... It carried itself. And I liked how it didn't have so many, like, crazy different places that it took place in. It just showed the different cars. And it was very much you're following a certain character, though, you know? Right. So, I mean, I guess we can both agree that we would watch it again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do want to say that the movie is tense as fuck. If you haven't gotten that from the plot, this movie is tense as fuck. It has you at the edge of your seat through 90% of it, I'd like to say. It does have a lot of good, like, scenes that are just, you really don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you know how sometimes movies have this trope of, oh, no, we're not going to kill the main characters because we don't, people love them. We don't want to, like, kill an important, you know, part of this movie. Mm -hmm. This movie did not shy away from that. No, and that's the thing. Like, I didn't like that it had so many useless deaths. I mean, yeah, they they definitely just pulled a Game of Thrones and was like, yeah, we'll kill. We'll kill for the sake of killing. But You're dead. He's dead. She's dead. Everyone's dead. That's also something I kind of liked is that they didn't just 
keep all the A-list actors they till the end. They didn't give plot armor to anyone other mm-hmm. than Chris Evans' character, kind of. I mean, yeah, they, um, he, he was pretty fucking heavily shielded, in all honesty. But then again, and again, I'm sorry, like, huge spoiler warning if you haven't really fucking thought of it by now, but everybody that started this mission with him... Died. Died. Yeah, like, that. I, I literally said that in the plot. Yeah, like... Everybody who was like, yeah, we're going to go fight for the children. Everybody. And I am going to go ahead and bring up my favorite characters now. Now I can go ahead and speak my part. But Chan was the fucking man. Chan, if you don't know, is a child from the tail end. I mean, by this point, like, I'm just speaking to the people that have already either paused this and gone and watched it. Tell me about the scene. Okay. They're in the so, water supply cart with the army ambushing them. They go through a tunnel, lights are out. Army how the night fuck did goggles. they find these night vision goggles? Like, who the fuck prepped and said, yo, let's bring 35 night vision goggles? Not only that, why would they Why would they put this train in a tunnel? I don't know. They're like, yeah, uh, we're on a train? With well, I mean, no I guess lights? it like pushed its way through. I don't know. It's the snow piercer. It bulleted yeah. its way through it. No, they I built this tunnel. Oh, they built the tunnel. They they built other tunnels, like the one that they... Oh, because, like, I mean, I guess they have to go around the world, so they have to tunnel through shit. But who thinks, let me bring 35 night vision goggles. Okay, and I know you don't know about night vision goggles. I know a thing or two. When light hits night vision, it goes white. <laughs> you can't see anything. Yeah, so Chan uh, steals the matches. It, it's a plot hole, but... I'm not going to talk about it. Chan steals some matches. Chan steals matches from Nam, who has cigarettes. It's, again, a plot hole. but Not important. He ends up... Well, they realize, okay, we're fighting at night. We have to get some kind of you light. Know, light to even fight these guys that are fucking this up because they have night vision. Whatever. How can we do this? We can't just turn on the lights. So they bring the fire up there. And my buddy Chan just runs that bitch from the end of the train Which to where they're at. makes no sense. How did they hear him? What do you mean? When they yelled, Chan! How did Chan hear him from the tail end of the yeah, train? Yeah, I mean... And then he's like, yeah, let me run super fast with my, well, black, maybe, with my matches. Maybe and like Chris Evans yells, Chan! And then somebody goes, oh, Chan! But Chan! I'm Chan. sorry. I'm sorry. Everybody in the water supply car would have been just slashed at that point. You're telling me this army has night vision goggles. True, but I mean, I just love the scene with the, Chan. The theatrics of it was yes, beautiful. Yes, because it's like, oh, he's the kid with the matches. And they Holy are bare, fuck. basically, uh, what's that one where you hand the baton off? Relay race? Yeah, they're barely, basically relay racing that shit. Yeah. I mean, and, but I do appreciate that they did that, because you got to think, if Chan brought the fire up to them, up to the front, like, you know, they intended... Chan would have fucking got sliced. Absolutely. Granted, Chan does definitely die in this movie. Yeah, most likely. But it is nice that they spared one singular child. They didn't spare him. He died. Yeah, but we didn't actually see him die. You don't see him die, but the train crashes disgustingly. Oh, I thought you meant whenever they murked down 74% of the tail end passengers. That too. That too, yeah. If he survived the gunshots, he definitely did not survive the crash. I was like, you only get one miracle here, buddy. You can't get two. But no, like, I, it was a very, very cinematic scene that I liked. Yes. It's just the legitimacy. And then can we talk about Parkour Pete? 
Absolutely, if you want to. I mean, I he really wasn't a big character for me personally. He was an amazing character. I guess. He just swings from the exposed pipe on the He ceiling. killed the biggest guard, which I, I think was a stupid scene. I don't know why they needed him to, like, do some monkey flips Also, what to was kill the point that of that big-ass guard that was just, like, swinging in a circle? I mean, he was trying to keep them at bay. <laughs> but he's going to spin think, around a circle with a bag full of stuff. Okay, but who hasn't played a video game? Or a phone game where there's a bad guy swinging a giant fucking tool or a giant fucking axe or sword Look, or whatever. You jump kick. It's momentum. Once he reaches the lowest point, he has to then use strength to come back up. So find that middle ground and shank him. No. Shank him in the neck. No, we all know. You just jump kick. Mortal Kombat style, you jump kick. If your enemy is low... True. Just jump kick the shit out of him? Parkour Pete that shit and jump kick. Well, Parkour Pete was a beast. He killed him, and then whenever they were getting sprayed by a machine gun, Homeboy brought a knife to a gunfight and still won. He did. He definitely did. And then risked his life to save uh, our boy uh, Curtis. Curtis. Yes. Everybody risks their life to save Curtis. I mean, yeah, but like he risked his hands. So. That is um, true. Yeah, I just... I just had to bring up my boy, Parkour Pete and Chan. Um, I did love the classroom scene. That's another thing I wanted to bring up. Mm-hmm. That's that I'll talk about later. Um, I just could not stop laughing. That scene just had me fucking rolling. Whenever they're sit- sitting there singing with a piano about yes. how Wilford is like the greatest thing on earth. And if they don't listen to him, they're going to die outside. And the worst thing is, is these songs didn't even rhyme. They didn't. They, they didn't. They were just like, Wilford is great. Sacred Engine. Wolford is great. He's a cool guy. That's it. <laughs> and then, like, they had a little girl who's just an annoying little bitch. And so Octavia Spencer just gets so fed up with it that she does, like, the black mom thing. Just fucking pops her one time, but she pops her with the egg. Pops her with a hard-boiled egg. And like, I need something to crack so my shit funny, on. Man. That shit was fucking hilarious. Um, what was your favorite scene? Um... I think the aquarium scene, in all honesty, it didn't have any violence whatsoever. It's just, I always wanted to visit an aquarium where you could walk through, and that was just, like, really cool to me, personally. That that pissed me off. How the fuck did they, how, how did they, how are they able to maintain an aquarium? I don't know. Like. They didn't have any sharks in there, I can tell you that much. But they had a stingray. But they had no red-tailed catfish. Which we own. But. Because that would have eaten everything. But they had a fucking stingray. I have fished. I know how big stingrays can get. And you mean to tell me that they were able to put an aquarium as the walls of the train cart? Like, that doesn't geometrically make sense. I mean, maybe they, like, fished them out whenever they got too big. Granted, how could they even open that Thank you. Thank you. That's what I'm trying to say. That was in the sushi room. That's crazy. They were using those fish for sushi, but it was the cart walls. Yeah, that honestly, okay, never mind. You see where... Because you can't go outside of the train. Exactly. So how... Was there like a little hatch that they like waited for it to pass by and scooped them? Like, and then you're like dumping all this water out. It just didn't make sense. And then most... I don't know. I'm going on a tangent. But anyway, I was going to say stingrays are mainly saltwater creatures, but... 
it is what it is. I've never seen a freshwater stingray. If you can find one, let me know. Um, I'm sorry. I just went on a um, small little... Those are fireworks. I'm going to leave that in for editing to see if I can hear that. But those are fucking panic-inducing. <laughs> like, almost PTD, PTSD. Like, is it the wall? The wall is happening? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, dropping the bombs, Captain. I um I just got, that's the fucking coolant going into the system right there. Right. <laughs> Ice age, bitches. No, I actually, um you remember that bald guy? Because you're talking about the eggs, and there was a scene where the bald guy, there's a bald guy in there, yeah. and he is basically gunning down um, the tail end passengers with the wheelbarrow full of eggs, which is actually guns hidden under the eggs. Mm-hmm. So Again, I, we're talking to the people that have already yes. seen this. Okay. And so in the scene where he eats the egg, he reminded me so much of the guy who play, plays Victor, Victor Zaz. Victor Zaz? It is not oh him. Oh my god. I didn't want to say it, but yes. Okay. So, I, in my original notes, I said we get a scene from Victor Zaz from Gotham that I was going to say. I know. It but looks then, so like, much like yeah, him, Yeah, you it's hear not the him. accent and you see his face so and it's not him. Victor Zaz from Gotham is Anthony Kerrigan, whereas Snowpiercer bald guy that I googled is Thomas Lamarquise. Okay. He's a French Icelandic actor. Well, he's Wish- uh, Victor's ass. He is even down to the eyebrows. He's, he's that's what I was gonna say. He shaved his eyebrows and everything. Yes. And the only person I know that did that is Victor's ass. I love his. I love his commitment to this role. Bald Snowpiercer guy. Bald Snowpiercer guy. That's Congrats, bald Snowpiercer guy. You really landed that one. I do have to say my least favorite scene though was the train sniping scene. Yeah, it was very... Okay, so they're going around this bend and basically creating a U-shape. And we have Curtis and his team in one, and then the... The Russian... Rogue, the rogue prisoner in the other one, right? Okay. And so I'm telling the audience, just in case, they're visualizing it. And so they're shooting at each other through this U-bend. But the thing is... The train is still fucking moving. The train is still fucking moving. It's still bending. Like, you're going to tell me they were on that U-bend for a solid 10 minutes. Just blasting at each other. Just blast. Just okay. not getting through. And as a gun guy, as a gun guy, this fucked me up. This whole scene really just grinded my last train gear. Because there were so many inconsistencies. Or yes, not, okay. Well, not inconsistencies, but, like, it doesn't line up with gun knowledge. No. And I'm about to give you all a little bit of gun knowledge. I know this is not a gun channel. I know this is not a gun podcast. Whatever the case may be. But I am going to get into a little bit of gun knowledge with you, okay? So in that scene, the... I'm not going to call him the Russian, although, like, his name did sound very he Russian. the rogue prisoner. The rogue prisoner, fine, whatever. Um, how is he a rogue prisoner if he was working He's, for... Well, no, he was... Um, whenever they caught Minister Mason... Yeah. And everybody, um, they... He was one of the prisoners. The prisoners that they took. Yeah. He was the hammer guy that stopped the axe. Remember where they threw the hatchet or whatever? Or Chris Evans threw the hatchet and he, like, blocked it with a hammer yes. before it hit her? That yeah. was him. So, okay. yeah, he took, they took him prisoner, but he ended up, like, you know, breaking free whenever the one person, the other person ran and told the guards in the back and all that. So, they broke him free. He's the one that killed Gilliam. I'm not going to call him the rogue prisoner. I'm going to call him the Russian guy. Anyway. Okay. So, he is using a M4 carbine and... Chris Evans' character is using a scorpion. So, for those of y'all that don't know, it's an assault rifle versus a machine pistol. 
ballistics-wise, one is a 5.56 round, which is a rifle cartridge. The other one is a 9mm, which is a pistol cartridge. Just regular distance-wise. One of them outranks the other. Just by a lot. By a lot. And that was like a far... If he had to legitimately use his sight to like zoom in and like snipe these people there's no way that chris evans could have sniped him back he would have just been blind firing into some random part of the train yeah it it definitely spanned um at least like a a solid like yeah like a couple hundred feet couple hundred yards yards sorry not feet i mean definitely a couple hundred feet (laughs) yeah yeah and so you know wind pushes things especially if you think they're in the middle of a fucking ice age that's what i'm saying so one in the middle of a war with these fireworks for real so one's a rifle cartridge which is made to go far the other one's a pistol cartridge which doesn't really go that far so in that u-bend Chris Evans' bullets would have never even touched the glass. Yeah, no. Um, uh, it was just very... The movie was... The train was well thought out, but the... It was... Whoever was it the was gun cool person, for an action movie. But it wasn't John Wick. But it wasn't John Wick. Yeah, okay. That's, that's what hurt my gun-loving soul. Yeah. I do like how they were like, bulls are extinct, but wait, they're not. <laughs> but wait... There's more. But wait, we're just saving them from when we really needed them. But then that begs the question, how did they know when the right time was to use the bullets? If this wasn't the first, uh, like, coup? Mm, I guess they just held some back because they planned the first coup, too. Right. I think this was, like, the fourth one, he said? Because it was him, then they had the guy before him. Oh, I don't know. I don't remember. But um, that was something that i didn't like another thing that i didn't like why do they play so loose with the language converter i don't think they played loose with it necessarily i think it's because nom in the first scene where they used it nom was was using slang or maybe like broken whatever language he was using right so remember it didn't communicate that one time it said please use proper you know whatever so I think they just kind of gave up on it halfway because he couldn't really talk normally and communicate how he normally would. Right, but what I'm saying is, like, in the beginning, Chris Evans grabbed one, he grabbed one, and they had to listen through the headphones. Eventually, they'd stop using the headphones, then they just started using one. Yeah, because and then it stopped. just pass it back and forth like a mic. Right, but then in the beginning, you would hear the thing relay what they were saying, and then eventually just stopped doing it. I guess it's also and it was like kind of like they just understood each other's language. Either it's a a continuity error or b. And that's what I love. I love well, pointing those out. Or b, it could be you know how sometimes movies like, like in Harry Potter where they took Polyjuice Potion, but you're supposed to be able to match the other person's voice too. Mm-hmm. But in the movies, they gave them their old voices to show, hey, like this is what's happening, just so you understand. Maybe it showed that one scene where you can hear them mm-hmm. as kind of like, hey, just so you can understand what these things are doing. And then it just kind of drowns it and out like background. Noise. Yeah. Okay. Like background noise, you know? Okay. Just so you. I mean, but there are scenes where like you hear it come back and forth though. 
I mean, yeah, I think it would have just been a lot, like, whenever Curtis... <clears throat> oh, sorry. Oh, hold on. Let me grab a drink of that sweet Kinda tea. Kind of got a little manly there, girl. When Curtis... When, hey, yo, when, when boy Curtis. Curtis was telling about how he ate babies. <laughs> but when Curtis was telling about when he ate yeah. the babies and everything, yeah. that would have been a lot to hear him saying that and then also hear it being translated to I not, feel you. You know? I mean, it definitely, I guess, could be chalked up to that. Um, I, I mean, just didn't like continuity. I just didn't like it. I thought it was a continuity error, and I love pointing out continuity errors. But you did bring up a very interesting point when you said it was like an arc, like Noah's Ark. Yes, basically. So my thing is, they were able to eat sushi two times a year. We know that there was a scene where they had a whole bunch of chickens. They obviously were able to uh, to raise cockroaches. Right. So do they like? We basically... At some point, they would have to eat the protein bars as well. Like the, the regular class would. Unless they were legitimately farming animals. Like, well, no, because... Because you don't see it, any live animals other than the no, fish. No, but we see the meat carcasses and that meat That's what I'm car. saying. That's all you see. But they couldn't have kept those alive for 17 years. Exactly. They obviously have some sort of ecosystem going, but unless they were... So do you think that it skipped through parts of the carts? It has to, because we also didn't see where, like... The living quarters. Yeah, like, where the school children lived and everything like that. Like, you have to skip through certain parts, right? Because a lot of the train just doesn't make sense. Because there was, what, 1,001 cars on there, and we only see, like... Seven? Yeah, maybe ten. Yeah. Ish. So, I mean, maybe, but then you also have to think, like, big animals. Where do they go? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying, like... How do they continue to do, like, this? do you have? A, I know you don't have a really car, a really tall cart for drafts. Yeah. So what? Do we just say fuck the drafts and they're going to be in twenty one hundred? Everybody's going to believe the drafts. Like wow, you really had a horse with a really long neck. Sure you did. That's mythical, mythological. Mythical. Mythical. You're right the first time. That's mythological. Okay, just take just it further. Making up words here. So okay, so to wrap this up, this is my last question because I do want to get some food. I'm dying for some Panda Express, honestly. Oh no, burrito. I don't know. I'm kind of across. We'll talk burrito. about it. Yeah, we'll talk we'll about, talk it, about it. it. But the the last thing I wanted to bring up was this movie, and I didn't really get to say it. You took it out of my notes in the first part that I did say it. Um, this movie was a fucked up Willy Wonka. I actually wanted to put this movie. As a versus? I think I said that, right? I think so, maybe. I don't know if I did or didn't say that earlier. You're saying it now. I am saying it now. Um, I wanted to make this movie a versus with the movie The Platform on Netflix. Oh, no, you never told me that. Oh, well, I did. I wanted to make it a versus with the movie The Platform and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory because they are all so similar. Well, I've never seen The Platform, so I cannot speak on that. I want to do it for another episode. Will you be yeah. interested in doing that? Yeah. Okay. I'm down for anything. Okay. So we'll do that so you can kind of catch what I mean and we can like, you know, come back to this. But it's also Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory because you got to think, Willy Wonka was going to be... Was grooming Charlie. Right. He was grooming Charlie, which is like Chris Evans' character. Mm-hmm. And then you have the little girl in the train car who mm-hmm. was like Veruca. Then you also have the minister who was kind of like Veruca. You also have Grandpa Joe, who's faking his... Which is Gilliam. Yes. You got his name right. I'm very proud of I you. Was, I was thinking so hard. My brain is like, like on fire thinking about his name. 
Gilly, Gilliam, uh-huh, I knew that. Gilly weed, exactly. So, um, he's like Grandpa Joe, and then you have the gunslinger guy. Is Augustus Gloop. No, 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 the gunslinger. Oh. Remember the kid who had the attitude who was always oh, about shooting up games? Oh, TV, Mike yeah, TV. that's the rogue prisoner that you want to I love how you just prisoner. assigned everybody these rules. No, I actually watched a lot of YouTube videos on this. Oh, so you're stealing their ideas. Not necessarily stealing their ideas. Just borrowing. I, I noticed it whenever I was watching it. Was there It any... has a lot of, like, correlations to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And if you watch it, you actually kind of see, like, they play loosely on that. Um, but what were you saying? Is there any specific YouTube videos that you want to, like, give Oh, just type to? in Snowpiercer, Willy Wonka. Like, oh, okay. the minute you type in Snowpiercer, it'll show Snowpiercer, Snowpiercer trailer for the TV show, and then the Willy Wonka one. So hmm. I think it's, like, the third one, if I'm not mistaken. But it's a very big theory that's been going on since this movie was on Netflix. It's pretty interesting. I, like, it kind of takes my brain a minute to correlate them but like basically wilford was grooming curtis from mm-hmm. very so that young. he can take over the train the same way that willie did to charlie because he wanted him to take over the yeah. factory and then it i don't know i just thought that and then they both come from like really poor beginnings charlie and and curtis we actually don't know where curtis's beginnings are though his beginnings are in the train at the back but of the train before that i mean I, I mean, guess. I guess I'm it doesn't matter. Yeah. I thought you <laughs> this meant, is the first of the movie, so. I thought you meant Wilford for a second. I was going to be no, like, no, no, hold no. on. No, no, no. What? No. And then Wilford was working with Gilliam the same way that Grandpa, Grandpa Joe. Joe was working with Willy Wonka. Did he work for Willy Wonka? Yeah, he worked in, in the factory. In Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, or was it just in Charlie in the he Chocolate was, Factory? He worked for the factory, and then Willy Wonka fired him. In or Charlie, let everybody go. In Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And then you have but, little kids running the factory the same way that Oompa Loompas were running the factory. You running the train. Running the train. But, but was Grandpa Joe like that and Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory? What do you mean? Willy Wonka is the Johnny Depp one. No. Willy Wonka is the Johnny Depp one. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is the original one. Yeah. Was Grandpa Joe like that in the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? He was pretty much the same. I didn't know that he worked in the factory in that one. Yeah. He did the, uh, no, the dad did the toothpaste and then. I can't remember Grandpa Joe. I remember because he looked like the Astroworld guy or the Six Flags guy. Very weird looking I old man. I love you so much. Why? Because that commercial just popped, into, popped up in my head. And then you were able to like put it together? No, I still can't picture him, but that commercial's in my head now. Where he was doing the running man. Yeah. Continuing. But anyway. That, that's pretty much all we had for this movie. Overall, good movie. You would definitely recommend it, especially if you're looking for something to watch that's a little bit sci-fi, a little apocalyptic. Not really action-packed, but it does have action. Yes. I would have still loved to see him hold a shield <laughs> and let it bounce around the cart. But, you know, we can't all get what we want. I mean, yeah, it would have been pretty cool, but... I think it's a good movie. I don't overall. know if this came out before Captain America or after. Um, I think it was like a 2013 movie. So after Captain America. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know the timeline of Marvel movies. I don't know. It we have matter. a Mar- we have a movie podcast and we don't know these things. But anyway, we haven't covered Mar- Marvel yet. <laughs> I know about movie plots, not movie dates. There we go. But yeah, that wraps up our movie. Yeah, and you can watch it on Netflix, so it's really easily accessible for those of you in the United States. I really don't know about any other countries, but good movie. If you don't VPN it. Yeah, 
sponsor me. We are really trying to push for this VPN ad. Anyways, so um, that's our episode for today. Are we going to say that a fourth time? <laughs> that's our episode for today. <laughs> yeah, that's our episode for today. Oh, God, so. you had to make it five. So uh, I hope you guys get to listen to this and enjoy it just as much as we kind of enjoyed recording Making it. this, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, this one's actually, I think, one of my favorite ones. So far, I think yeah. it's like... Uh, yeah, I'd say it's my favorite one. Yeah, just it was just us kind of chatting and talking. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do have some social media. It's break out the popcorn on anywhere that social medias are found. <laughs> so you can find us on Facebook, Instagram. I'm so bad at this. I don't know why you point at me to do this. I just thought maybe you'd want to talk. Nope. So Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, break out the popcorn. Still don't have a Twitter yet. Still don't have a Twitter. Uh, maybe we will just – I'll just probably – create it so the name doesn't get taken but you know you can listen to us anywhere that you can listen to your favorite podcast oh that was my part that's the part that i like to say okay then you say that buddy <laughs> we are on iheart spotify stitcher apple music and anywhere else that you can find podcasts and google podcasts and google i mean that falls under everywhere you can find them yeah, but I feel like it's a big one. I feel like Google will be upset if we don't mention it. Man, look, Google, whenever you're ready to give me some free Clash Royale cards and free, like, tokens and stuff, then I'll mention you. All right? Okay. Till then, you fall under all podcasts. Okay, well, um, I really enjoyed this one, and I hope we get it edited and kind of put together. By tonight. By tonight, if not. After um, some burritos. After some burritos. But Happy New Year's, you guys. I know it's not actually until Friday, but. Happy New Year. Woohoo! This was the perfect time for those fireworks to go off again, but I guess... I guess we're just left in the wind. I guess they ran out. (laughs) So before we finish this episode off, I know you guys have been here for a while, but we just want to say thank you to some people who have subscribed to us so far. Like, your support means all the world to us. We're still growing. We're still trying to get there. Um, But, you know, we just want to say thank you. Yes, and most of these people are friends and family. And hey, guess what? Y'all count too. Y'all actually matter the most. Because I mean, y'all... Y'all can judge us because y'all actually know us. Yes, and give us like feedback and us not feel that bad about it. I can laugh off a random internet stranger's weird comment, but I can't laugh off my if my sister tells me that I'm I'm the complete opposite way. But I feel you. (laughs) Okay, well, thank you to these people. Yes, so first one is Jamie. I'm not going to say last names because... Don't want to call them out. Yeah. Don't want to... I don't. I didn't get their permission but to do that. But you know that. what? You know who you are. You know who you are, Jamie. Uh, Kathy, AJ from work, Robert, your dad, because your dad's awesome. Shout out to Pops. What's up, yo? Uh, my boy, Koi, he actually knew about this podcast before we started it. During its infancy? Yes. So I, I really wanted to give a shout out to him because he really gave me the motivation to go out and do it Aww. uh my mom because she was the first person to actually uh subscribe to us i forced her i did it's okay <laughs> totally understandable your sister morgan she actually sent me a snapchat of her listening to our podcast really did she <laughs> while she was working from home love you morgan milagros another friend uh markel my best friend and a co-worker that i am like really good friends with we actually saw her today and yeah. we made her subscribe today. But her name is Tempest. So shout out to you guys. Y'all are phenomenal. We hope that we get more people to listen to us and just continue to help us grow. And if you have any ideas, feel free to let us know. Like we would love to hear your movies 
movie suggestions, like versus suggestions, anything like that. Yeah, like, anything that you want to hear. I mean, we did get one yeah, that we plan to come. <laughs> Jamie, there you go again. Really came through clutch. Um, we do plan to do that movie. Uh, she did tell us because I mean she had us on Facebook, but don't add me on Facebook. Don't add us on Facebook, please. Um, just just email media. us. Ooh, our so our email is breakoutthepopcorn at gmail.com. Yes, so please just email us your suggestions. Instagram DM. Instagram DM. Whatever the case may be, whatever you want to do to reach out, just don't find our personals, which is fucking weird. If you already know us, then that's absolutely fine. You could do it that way. Totally a okay with that. But if you don't know us personally, please don't make it weird. Just just respect the privacy. Um, no pictures, please. <laughs> other than that, thank you. Yeah. From the bottom of our hearts. Thank you, and I think it's time to finally say... No, it's not. We have to say it one more time. Happy New Year. Oh, Happy God, New come Year. on. Get together, Connor. Sorry. Ready? Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. Thank you. Low energy. <laughs> All right. Roll credits. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Is inflation taking a bite out of your grocery budget? Andrews Federal Credit Union is here to help. Introducing our Inflation Buster Share Certificate with 5% APY for seven months now through December 14th. Bring your money to Andrews Federal Credit Union today. The Inflation Buster account must be open with new money. Andrews Federal Credit Union membership is not just for the military. We also serve the community. Visit andrewsfcu.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership eligibility required. APY equals annual percentage yield. Must have a $1,000 minimum balance to earn advertised APY.